morning, my brothers and sisters and fellow workers in Christ. As we come to worship, let our hearts and our mind be an acceptable offering before Him. Let us sing together with our praise team and acknowledge God's presence in our midst. Brothers and sisters, let's come to God in prayer. Our gracious Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your protection. 
Thank you, Lord, that your presence has always been our strength. And as we thank you, we lift our worship that it be pleasing to you. Father, continue to mold us, to transform us to your likeness. Develop in us characteristics that glorifies you, especially the characteristic of selflessness. Teach us, help us know what selflessness means and how we can use this, show this, develop this in our lives that you will be glorified. Father, thank you for the many provisions you have granted us. We lift up and remember in prayer our brothers and sisters, those who are in pain, those who are in crisis. We especially lift them up to you and we pray that not only your word, but also to be able to experience your presence so that, Lord, this will be their comfort. We thank you for those, Lord, that you have healed and allowed them to recover. We continue to lift up those who are still needing our prayers for healing. May you and your presence truly be their strength from day to day. Father, as we lift them up to you, we also lift up our brothers and sisters, our leaders, during this week. Help them, Lord, as they minister to others as well. Help them in their preparations. Help them during their sessions. Pray that their life can continue to be a blessing, a source of blessing for all others. And may they truly live out a glorifying life that pleases you. Father, allow your servant to speak of your truth and may your name be lifted up. In Christ's name, amen. Our topic this morning is a call to selflessness. Now, what is selflessness? It is being concerned more for the needs of others than with one's own. Simply, it is putting others first before yourself. To understand this, we need to differentiate two kinds of selflessness. There's what we call a conditional selflessness and a character selflessness. Now, what do I mean? Conditional selflessness is there is a condition that has to be met in order for you to perform the action. You have been touched emotionally or somebody has done something good to you that now you're obliged to do that. But since this is conditional, after the condition had been met, it ends the contract. After you have paid it forward, you don't need to pay it again. You don't need to continue doing that because you've already earned that. Well, character selflessness is what the Bible describes that begins with our heart. It changes the character of a person and it's an ongoing process that develops inside a person. Now, this is what we want to learn this morning. This 
selflessness that is motivated from the inside. Now, what does the Bible tells us about this? We can see in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25 to 26. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, to understand this better, we need to start off with the first two commandments. God has given us ten commandments, and the first two pertains to, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods. And the second commandment is, you shall not make idols. Now, these are important, brothers and sisters. Why? Because God needed to remind us that He should be first. We should not make any substitute. An idol is anything that substitute, that takes the place of God. Why? Because in our fallen nature, we don't want God. We don't want, we reject God. We don't want to submit to God. The Bible said we are dead in our trespasses. We are in rebellion to God. You see, it's not that we don't believe in God. We just don't want Him to be in control of our lives. We want God. We don't want God here. We want God somewhere out there where we can call Him. If there's a problem, if there's a need, Lord, we need you. Please come. And when God has given us His blessing, or when He has healed us, or make us dwell now, what do we do? Okay, God, it's time for you to go. We want to be in control. That is our fallen nature. And that is our problem. This problem has started not here, not today, but it goes way, way back to the time of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The time when they were tempted by Satan and said, if you eat of this fruit, you can become like gods. We want to be our own God. We don't want God to be God. He, we want our own control. Just as, just as like the story of the prodigal son. Remember when the son, the youngest son, asked his father for the wealth? He said, Father, give me my inheritance. And then after he got the inheritance, did he stay? No. He went as far away from the father. Why? Because he doesn't want to be under the control of the father. That is our nature. And the Bible said the seat of our rebellion is in the heart. It's in the heart. The modern-day idolatry is the idolatry of the self. And the seat of that, the throne of that idolatry is our heart. The idolatry of self is the core idolatry that replaces God in worship. It's called self-idolatry. And the Bible said this, our hearts... This is what Jesus described our heart. Comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Out from this heart, this sinful nature of our heart. Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
you know, we can't trust our heart because our heart is a breeding place for idols, the idol of self. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why the Proverbs remind us, don't follow your heart. If you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and you are simply following the Lord yourself and following the compass of your heart, be careful. Proverbs 28, 26 says, He that trusted in his own heart is a fool. Whose walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. We need a new heart. We need God to give us his heart so that we will not be a fool, but we will follow him. Since our old nature, our old heart cannot be trusted, in that heart is the throne, it's the breeding ground of idolatry. And through this heart and idolatry expresses itself into sins. And this sins is what I call the four horsemen of idolatry. Pride, envy, jealousy, and selfishness. What is pride? Pride is defined as proud, egotistic, conceited, inordinate thoughts of self-adulation. So it's all about the self. It's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about I. You know that Jesus is more harsher on pride than any other sins? Pride makes us believe we don't need God. We are either too good or too bad for God. In turn, pride makes us incapable of turning our lives over to God because we make ourselves into an autonomous creatures who have no need for God. Again, it's the idea of, God, we don't need you. And the moment we start rejecting God or the moment we don't surrender to the Lord, that, brothers and sisters, a warning signal that that is our pride taking over. That is the sinful nature, the self-idolatry, the, 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 the sinful heart that's trying to come out and control our life again. The byproduct of self-idolatry is pride. What does the Bible say about that? Romans 1.21, even though they know God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible men, of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. When pride takes over, when we reject God, when we fail to acknowledge God, we begin to breathe out form idols. Image of men, birds four-footed, or any crawling creatures. A best example of this in the Bible is the story of Lucifer. Lucifer, described as the morning star, our enemy, Satan. This is what the Bible tells us. You were anointed cherub who covers and I placed you there you were on the holy mountain of God 
You walk in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the days you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. Here was Satan. He was perfect. He was blameless. He was the cherub. He was part of the mountain, holy mountain of God. And he walked in the midst of the fires of stone, describing the opportunity that he had in worshiping God. What happened to him? You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. In the far north, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I, 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 I. There are five eyes here. When pride motivates our heart, I take over the sin of idolatry. Lucifer has conceived pride in his heart. He used to submit to God in the Most High. Now he wants to stand apart from God. He wants to be his own God. He has become his own idol. And he demands worship that is only for God. There is such a thing as a godly pride. In Psalms 44, 11, it says, In God we make our boast all day long. We will praise your name forever. Galatians 6, 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what I call a godly pride. A godly pride comes from the appreciation of God's faithfulness in our lives. We boast of the Lord's work in our lives. And the focus is the praise to God and not to ourselves. The Bible mentions pride, but the pride that we give is the praise and appreciation of God. This is far different from the pride that only wants to promote the self. Another sin is what we describe as envy. What is envy? It is simply defined as a painful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. Envy leads to covetousness. Covetousness is a sinful desire for another's possession. So, envy is seeing that another person possesses something that you do not have. So you want that. You feel bad that you don't have that. And you feel bad that that person has that. So you want what that person has. When the... In Matthew 27, 18, when the crowd had assembled, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they, the Pharisees, had handed Jesus over. Envy is so dangerous because God, because our hearts is capable of doing evil brought about by that envy. John Piper says, Envy seems to be born of a restless heart that does not find God satisfying. We are craving and we are yearning. We are aching outward what somebody else has. Why? Because 
God himself is not satisfying our soul. If we have God and if he satisfies our soul, takes away our pride, takes away our envy. Lucifer was created with beauty. He was given a position that is so blessedly high, he stand in the midst of God and worship Him. The very beauty and position he had brought him pride, but it caused him to be discontented and became envious of the glory that he did not have. So, in his heart, he coveted the honor and worship that only belongs to God. Pride leads to envy. A third sin, jealousy. Jealousy in relationship is a feeling of resentment born out of the fear in losing some favors or advantages held for someone. It's you enjoyed something. There is love between a husband and wife. The husband enjoys love from the wife and vice versa. But when that love is threatened by something else, for example, the love, the husband loves the wife and, the, and he wants the wife to give him time. And when the wife doesn't give him time, when the wife started to uh, do other stuff, the husband becomes jealous of those stuff because that takes away the time from the husband. Okay. So it's fear of losing something. So what does the Bible describe as the sin of jealousy? The sin of jealousy is the incessant demand on love, loyalty, and attention placed by the person to another for the purpose of control. Sin of jealousy is the husband, when the husband begins to demand more time. The wife has given time, the wife has shown love, but because of there is a fear in the husband's heart or he doesn't trust the wife, he starts to demand. So the sin of jealousy is when the husband starts demanding more. I don't want you to go out anymore. I don't want you to talk to anyone else. I just want you to be here 24 hours. You, don't, you can't go out. You can't call your parents. No one. You talk to no one except me. See, that's why the Bible said, true love is not jealous. We don't put incessant demand over another person. Now, there's also what we call a godly jealousy. In 2 Corinthians 11, 12, it says, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, that is Christ. Now, what is godly jealousy? It is the righteous anger expressed by God, brought about by the loss of his preeminence in the heart, mind, and lives of his people. You see, God created us. That's why God has the right. We're talking about 
God having the right in the person's life. You see, God told us that we should love Him with all our hearts. We should love Him with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. He deserved it. It is something that we should give to Him. And withholding that from God, uh, replacing it with other things like ourself, then that becomes an idol and God is jealous. He doesn't want our love for Him to diminish. He wants our 100%. Now let's go to Lucifer. Lucifer was not only envious of God's glory. He was jealous of God. You see, the envy that he has has led to a resentful feeling inside him that desired that he should be worshipped and honored like God. He was saying in his heart, no, it should not be that God is the only one to be worshipped. I want to be worshipped also. I want to have that experience as well. His heart has began to be filled with rebellion. And when you have pride, when you have envy, and when you have jealousy, you will have selfishness. Now, what is selfishness? It is the act of seeking only of one's personal interests, regardless of the interests of others. Dr. Billy Graham said, selfish pride puts self on the throne of our hearts instead of God and makes us think we are better than others and our wants are more important than others. Satan began to act out his pride, his envy, his jealousy towards selfishness. Lucifer's pride resulted in envy that made him jealous and rebellious, that led him to his selfish actions. What was that? He incited a rebellion for his own gain. He used the angels as a tool to serve his own interests. He doesn't care what happened to the angels. He just need them. They become his instrument to fulfill his pride. He wants the glory for him alone. It's not about to share the glory with God. He wants the glory for his own. So how do we overcome the sin of idolatry and its four horsemen? Simply, going back, we are called to selflessness. We are called to be selfless. Let's go back to our verse in Matthew 16, 25 to 26. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Selflessness begins with denying ourselves. Now, what does denying ourselves mean? It is to die to ourself. The secret to living for the Savior is dying to the self. You see, Jesus calls us to live for him. He's not saying that you live and I live there. Your will and my will. No. Christ demands that there can only be one will. So what that means, brothers and sisters, when we deny the self, the self has to die. Now, I don't mean that in a physical sense, but that is the image that is being portrayed 
in Scripture. There can't be two will. Even Jesus, when he was praying, he didn't say, Lord, let my will be done. No. Let your will be done. Between two will, there can only be one will. And that is the will of Christ. That is the will of God. The goal in life is no longer simply self-fulfillment, but perfecting Christ in us. So it's no longer about us. It's not about self-actualization, but it's perfecting Christ in us. People will see Christ in you. Not you, but Christ in you. Our education, our title, talents, resources should no longer serve to promote ourselves, but to promote God's interests. We are here now. Our life no longer belongs to us. It belongs to Christ. Our priority in life is no longer our happiness, but God's approval. Our joy are now found in God's approval. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Where is the self? It's no longer there. That's why we are alive each day, but we are a living sacrifice each day. That when we wake up, we think already, Today I will live for the Lord, not for myself. It is when you start to have this right thinking that Jesus immediately says we are to take up the cross because he knows that the sinful nature, the idol, the self will want to take over, will want to reject God. So we need to crucify it each day. So we have to take up our cross daily. Jesus said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If we say that we have accepted Christ, then we are followers of Christ. We are His disciples. Then we have to carry our cross. We don't carry our cross once. We carry our cross continually because the self will try to come out every day. So every day we need to crucify it. How do we do that? Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Crucifying means to put to death our sins every day. To crucify means to put to death our selfish, worldly desires every day. It means to surrendering our will under the will of God every day. To surrender. It's a moment, day by day, action. Lord, we surrender to you. We acknowledge your will. Today will be the day, Lord, that we want to obey. If you have denied yourself, if you have crucified yourself, then we are called to follow Christ. Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified and I no longer live. You see that? It's no longer the Paul who lives, but Christ who lives. And the life 
He now lives in the flesh. I live by faith. Every day is a borrowed life from God. God is to be glorified each day, no matter what that day may be or how that day may look like to you. But that day is a day dedicated to the Lord. So we enter with thanksgiving and praise each and every day because that day is not a wasted time. That day is for the glory of God. The Bible said we need to walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key again here is control. To let the Holy Spirit take control of our life. So, continuing, it means to be a willing sacrifice in following Christ's example. It means to be committed in obedience to the work of God. It means ready to be persecuted and unpopular for the Lord. Following Christ demands obedience. Following Christ demands commitment. And following Christ means we may be persecuted. Lastly, we are called to produce the fruit of love. We are called to produce the fruit of love. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus said, Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, what does Jesus mean by this statement? In order for us to understand this, we need to look at another statement, a similar statement that Jesus used. In John chapter 12, verse 25, he says, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. In other words, this is talking about a person who lives for himself, okay? Because he lives for himself, he loves himself, he lives for himself, now he will lose his life because he's living for himself. Now he who hates his life in this world will keep it. Why does he hate his life? It's not that he, he, he hates it, but that he loves God more. He lives for God more. That is why he will keep his life. Right? Jesus said this, The one who lives his life for me, who hates his life, is found in this. He does it for me. He does it for my sake and he will find it. And you know what's interesting? If a person dies to himself, that is the only time that a person can produce fruit. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it should die, it bears much fruit. If we die to ourselves, carrying our cross and following Christ, the beginning is the day dying to ourselves. We will bear much fruit. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples. Listen to this. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. 
and so proved to be my disciples. Following that, what did Jesus say? Still in that context of fruit, he said, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, following Christ, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Then, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy, Jesus mentioned about his love, Jesus now is mentioning about his joy, may be in you, that your joy may be made full. See that? When we die to ourselves, we bring glory to God. We bear much fruit. We bear the fruit of love. We bear the fruit of joy. And Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. You see, possessing that love, having that joy, now is experienced when we love one another, just as I have loved you. And Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that one lays down his life for his friend. The love that compels us, the love that is produced in us, leads to a kind of selfless love, or what I call agape love, that allows us to be selfless. And Jesus pointed this out because Jesus modeled this love, this selfless kind of love, willing to lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, the denying of the self, the dying of the self produces a fruit, a fruit called love, a selfless love. And this, our source is from God. His example, his life has motivated us. As John says, we love because he first loved us. Now, what kind of love is this? It is an unconditional love. God's love compels us to produce a selfless love for others. This is what we call an agape love. It is an unconditional love produced by the Spirit as we follow Christ. The condition there is as we follow, as we obey God's command, agape love is being produced in us by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8 says, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag, it is not proud. And it's not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It is not seeking its own. It's selfless. It's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. The greatest evidence of a selfless love. This is agape love. We cannot do this on our own. Even if we try to model and try to live this out without the Spirit working in us, we can't do this. We can't have 
agape. This is unconditional. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why Paul commands us to do this because he knows we can if we have the Holy Spirit. Everything that Paul is describing here is only something that you and I can do if we have the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Spirit, we will all fail in fulfilling this. Paul said, Lord, no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandment, you shall not commit adultery, murder, steal, covet, whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. A selfless love, an agape love is exhibited and this is what God demands from us. In closing, let me go back to his story that we are all familiar with. In John chapter 13, verses 1 and 12 to 15, Jesus, the Bible said, was on the night that he was to be betrayed. Chapter 13 opens up in saying, Before the feast of the Passover, knowing that his hour had come, he would depart out of this world to the Father. Now listen to this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. And what did Jesus do? after this moving forward to verse 12 he washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again he said to them do you know what i have done to you jesus washed the disciples feet he said you call me teacher and lord and you are right for so i am if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What is Jesus saying here? This is his love. The teacher, the self, I wanted to show my love to you by doing this service. This is a selfless act. This is showing you my love is seen in here in my service. Brothers and sisters, if we have the selfless love of God in our hearts, we bear that fruit of love. Our kindness our action will bring glory to God because we will bear much fruit and so the world will know that we are followers of God. A call to selflessness means to die to ourselves. We need to die to our pride, 
to our envy, to jealousy, and to selfishness. And we need to carry our cross. We need to follow Christ and produce the Spirit's fruit of love in us. Jesus said if we die to ourselves, then we can produce fruit. And it is to the Father's glory that we produce much fruit. And this fruit is the fruit of love, which is agape love, an unconditional love that only the Spirit can produce. It is through this that we see God's love to the disciples. At the, at the last hour, He said to them, Do you understand what I did? He washed their feet and then He said, I was your teacher and yet I washed your feet. Go and do likewise. In closing, what application can we get from here? How can we practice denying ourselves and taking up the cross each day? How can we express selfless love towards others this week? Brothers and sisters, I pray that the Lord will enlighten us and remind us that we need to have a character, a transforming character of love, selflessness that will bear fruit to honor and glorify God. We continue to praise the Lord for our brothers and sisters who labor with us in preparing our worship every Sunday. Let's continue to lift them in prayers that the love for our Lord continue to be their inspiration every week. For our first announcement, when we face with emotional crisis, when there are challenges, anxieties, fear, and even depressions, what does the Bible say we should do? On August 15, Saturday at 7.30 p.m., we are privileged to have our very own Dr. Joyce Go, who will share with us from God's Word entitled, Managing Your Intense Emotions in Times of Crisis. This seminar will be live through Facebook. And connected to this event is the official launching of our counseling ministry called NMEC Joyful Hope. Please look for our pastor in charge, Pastor Jean Chan. And for inquiries and updates, you can visit our website at www.facebook.com slash nmecjoyful. Please do invite your family and friends to join this webinar. Let's pray that God will use this seminar to touch people's hearts and lives and bring them the comfort of God's Word during this time. Our second announcement is our NMEC Kids Worship. We would like to invite you, our dear parents who have kids from 4 to 12 years old, to join our NMEC Kids Worship. This is an online Sunday school happening every week. We have worship, we have Zoom classes, where children can learn important lessons and activities from the Word of God 
that will impact their hearts and mind. I encourage you to register. You need to register and check all the updates available on Facebook. Third announcement is our discipleship. We also want to encourage you to join our small groups because we know the importance of having the, to be able to encourage each other and share in accountability of God's word. Through our small groups, we can pray for each other, share God's word, and celebrate God's milestone in your life. If you need help in connecting you or your friends to a small group, please inquire to any of our pastors and we will try to help you find a group. Fourth, our Mandarin worship. We also have a Mandarin worship service available online. If you have family members, friends who wants to worship in Mandarin, please check out our Facebook page for the details of our Zoom link and Viber. And lastly, please like us and follow us on Facebook for other important announcements. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch and share all our available videos. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, may your presence continue to inspire us to be selfless. May the love of the Father that has given us Christ continue to mold us into his image. And may the fellowship that we found in Christ be our model and example of a selfless life through the power of his Holy Spirit, making us accountable to live this life that pleases and glorify God. Amen.